quickly. I don't like to do announcements and things like that, but um, this one's important. And so um, on the screen right here, um, we desperately need volunteers to help in our children's ministry. Um, we have a ton of kids right now. And if you have not noticed by having like six showers a week, um, we have a lot more that are here and on their way. And so we need some arms that can hold kids and we need a lot of people who can teach kids. And so um, I need you to pull out your phone and scan that and let Becca know that you will go help serve our children. And so I'll leave that up there until I see a lot of phones. I can do the awkward silence thing for a little bit if we need. No. Um, we really do need your help, and so um, please consider helping out with our kids. So, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son went to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so his father divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. And he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he thought to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he got up, and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to him, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father replied, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was out in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he said to his father, Look, all these years I have spent slaving for you, and never once have I disobeyed one of your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property on prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father looked at the son and said, you are always 
with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. And this story unfolds almost like a three-act play. You have act one where the younger son gets everything that he has. He leaves home and he runs off and he runs into this brick wall of life, basically. Act two where he returns and he comes back and he begs his father to take him in again as a servant. And then you have act three where this older son is bitter because his younger brother has come home. And he's bitter not just because he's come home, he's bitter because his father has welcomed him home. And as we said last week, this is part of a bigger story that Jesus is telling. It's not just simply the story of a son who God loves and is longing for a relationship with. He tells three stories that are really, really similar. One about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and now about a lost son. And we can assume that Jesus' point in these stories is Jesus embraces that which is lost. And we can say true, but what if that's not Jesus' point in telling these stories? What what if something bigger is happening? See, meanwhile, the older son who was waiting and who's been slaving is home. He's with his father. He's working. And he says to his father in this conversation, look, all these years I have been slaving for you. Never once have I disobeyed your orders. And yet you haven't even given me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. You see, the thing that's true about these sons, I think is true about us. They're on this pursuit. They're searching for joy in their life. They're trying to find joy. And you have the the younger son that we looked at who takes the road of self-discovery. You can't tell me what to do. Go to there, Parker, please. Can't tell me what to do. I don't need help. Keep going. Keep going there, Parker. One more. One more. One more. There we go. Thank you. Self-discovery, can't tell me what to do. I don't need help. He wants to make a name for himself. He's entitled. He deserves it. But then you have this older son who goes on the road of moral conformity, who tries to control the father by his goodness, trying to be good enough. And it's interesting, he's entitled too. You haven't given me what I deserve for working for you. And here's what I know is true about you because it's true about me, is I think we live in the tension between these two stories. The the tension of trying to make it on our own and the, the tension of trying to be good enough. 
The tension that says we don't need grace because we can make it. And the tension that says we don't really need grace because we've been good enough. And and I feel myself in that tension every day. The, The tension of being the younger son and the tension of being the older son. But, but what's fascinating is both roads, right, moral conformity and self-discovery, both roads lead the brothers to being on the outside of the Father's house, looking in, and still searching for joy. Because these roads, they provide joy, but it's temporary. It's fleeting, because it's dependent on someone else or something else. It needs someone or something else to provide. And ultimately, these roads lead to resentment. Both sons resent home. Both sons resent the father. And where resentment exists, joy cannot exist. And there's this search for them because ultimately what they want is what the Father has. But they want what the Father has more than they want the Father. They want His inheritance. They want His blessing. They want His favor. They want His acceptance. And I wonder how often you and I want what the Father has for us more than we want the Father. We want the Father's blessings and goodness. We want His salvation. And I think sometimes we want it more than we want to be with the Father. Because the amazing part about this story is how it ends, and we'll we'll spend a lot of time there next week, with the Father's statement, "Hey, hey, you've always been with me. And everything... I have is yours. If you have the Father, you have everything that the Father has. See, both sons use the Father as a means to an end. They want what He has more than they want Him. Their pursuit is His stuff and not the Father. But, but as contrasting and different as these two roads are, the younger son and the older son, it's also amazing how similar they are. Because you have the younger son who says, give me what is mine, who's entitled to what he feels like is his, and then when he gets there, he says, I'm unworthy, and he decides that I can earn my way back into the Father's presence. But then you have the older son who says, give me what is mine. I've been working for you. I'm entitled to it. I deserve it. I am worthy of it. I've earned it. I wonder if those stories look like your story. Because I'll tell you, they look a lot like mine. And I live in that tension between the stories. I live in that tension 
of trying to be good enough and the tension of trying to make it on my own. I live in that tension every day. But as we said, this is part of a much bigger story that Jesus is telling. And to really get a grasp of the the bigger story, we need to go back to the beginning of all three stories. And here's how it begins in 15 verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he's telling this bigger story and there is an audience that's present. Now, I asked some teenagers to come help me. If you were asked, if you could come up and help, I would appreciate it. All right. There we go. Come on. Come on up on stage with me. So you have two groups We'll, we'll make you all a group right here. I'm, I'm going to use you in a minute, actually, somewhere else. You step down there on the floor. Come on, Jace. Okay. Now, it's really obvious. You all scoot back over here so people can see over here. Okay. These are our tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> what y'all do? No. <laughs> so, there's our tax collectors and sinners. Um. Stand down here with your brother. Just stick right there. And then right back here. You want to back up right there? And we have our Pharisees and tax collectors. And I need you all to cross your arms. Perfect. You're already there. And, and you need to have a really bad look on your face as you look at these people over here. These tax collectors and sinners. And... You, you can join the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now, this young lady has some sheep. Here. There's 99 of these in here. And she's watching these sheep. Okay? Now, now you got to make sure you hear this, okay? She's watching these sheep and she loses one. <laughs> now, because she has lost one, she is going to go search for She's going to leave these 99 here, and she's going to go search for that sheep. Go see if you can find that sheep. I don't know where it went. No idea. There. Oh, look, there it is. And when he finds it, he's going to put it on his shoulders, and, and bring it on back to the flock. And then is going to go to the friends and neighbors and say, my sheep that I lost is found. And they're going to celebrate. Now, there's another young lady who has these coins. Now, today it's not a whole lot. It'll get you a hot dog at 7-Eleven maybe. 
But back then, that would be a lot of money. Okay? And you lost a coin too. And so what she's going to do is she's going to light a lamp, and she's going to sweep and clean the house until she finds it. She's going to search for it. Go, go see if you can find that lost coin. You, you find it? And then she's going to come back, and she's going to call her friends and neighbors and say, I found my coin. Rejoice with me. We're going to have a celebration. Okay? Now, who's younger and who's older? So, I should, I should flip it so that we could have payback. We have an older son, all right, and we have a younger son, and the younger son gets lost. Sad day. And, yeah, just more for you, right? And now, now get this. The older brother sees that his brother is lost, and he goes to search for him everywhere. Do you remember that song from Sesame Street? One of these things is not like the other. Okay. You have someone that has lost a sheep, and what does she do? She searches for it. And when she finds it, she celebrates it. And you have a lost coin. And when she loses it, she does what? Searches for it. And when she finds it, she celebrates it. And then you have a brother who loses his younger brother. And what does he not do? He doesn't search for him. And now you have to realize at this point of the story, as Jesus is telling it, like everyone here is like these tax collectors and sinners are listening to the story, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are furious. Because this really isn't just story time, right? This is about something bigger. This is about a bunch of older brothers, and their younger brothers are lost, and they're not going to look for them. And then it becomes even worse, okay? Because it says, then the older brother, when he heard what was happening at this party, became angry and refused to go in. See, it's so much worse than not just going to search for your brother, 
It's that this older brother is angry that the younger brother, even though he didn't go search for him, even though he just somehow found his way home, that he can't even be happy that his brother has come home. Right? This story, if you're listening to this in this day, you're starting to think, just looking over the shoulder of the older brother, and you see these Pharisees and teachers of the law who look like they have it all together. But they're not real happy about the people that Jesus is inviting into this story. And it's almost like if you could, if Jesus could just drop himself and insert himself into this story, it's almost like he would just come up to this older brother and say, hey, where's your brother? And he might say something like, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Which sounds really familiar to another story, doesn't it? There's the story of two brothers. One's named Cain and one's Abel. And the older brother offers a sacrifice and he begins to think that God is blessing his younger brother because he offered a better sacrifice. And so they go out into the field together and Cain kills Abel. And he's walking back with blood all over his clothes and all over his hands. And God sees him and says, hey, where is your brother Abel? Right, this is the Genesis story. Where is your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And here's the thing. It never gives an answer to that question in the story. But there is an implied answer. And that implied answer is an emphatic yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. You should care about your brother enough to go search for him. And if you can't bring yourself to go search for him, you could at least celebrate the fact that he has come home and he's back in the house of the Father. See, there's a bigger story that Jesus is telling within these stories. Thank you all so much. You can keep the money. <laughs> Not the sheep, though. Thank you all. You all can go sit down. Jesus is telling this bigger story. And here's the thing. For so long, I think our churches have been full of a lot of younger brothers who act like older brothers. It's that tension. That tension that we go do what we want and we compare ourselves to everyone else 
and then we look down on those who don't live up to our standards. Jesus is telling a bigger story. And I think he's asking us the question. Are you willing to go look and search for the lost sons and daughters? And if you aren't willing to go search, are you at least willing to celebrate their return? But what's frustrating about this story is we don't know how it ends. You have this older brother who's angry and refusing to go in, who feels like he's worked his whole life to earn his father's blessing. And his father begs and pleads with him, come in and celebrate. But the story ends before we see what the older brother actually does. And there's a reason. There's a, a reason the story doesn't resolve itself. It's because the story is ending with a question to the older brothers. Will you at least come in and celebrate? Does the older brother go in? Does he stay outside? Does he leave home because of his father's grace? And we don't know. Because it's a question for you and I. How will you respond? How will you respond to the older brother or to the younger brother? And it's dependent on us. And I think it brings up just a phenomenal question. Who are the people, if they were invited to the feast, would you refuse to go in and eat with? Who are the people, if they were invited to the feast, would you refuse to go in and eat with? My guess is you have a list. You have a, in your mind a certain group of people that don't belong. And the question is, will you go search for them? And if you won't go search for them, will you at least celebrate that they've come home? Father, we're so thankful for your grace and your love for us for your goodness. And Father, I just simply say I am sorry for all of the times in my life I have been like the younger brother. 
but I'm even more sorry for the times that I've acted like the older brother, trying to make people feel like they are not good enough or that they do not belong when you have invited them to the feast. Father, may we be a church because we are representatives of You. May we be a church that searches for those that are lost. And may we be a church who rejoices when those who are lost come home. When those who were dead are made alive again. Not because of what they've done, not because of how hard they've worked to earn it, but simply because of Your goodness and grace. And Father, we thank You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have our shepherds and their spouses at the back of the auditorium. If we could help you in any way as you walk with Jesus, if you've never given your life to Him, been buried in baptism and raised into a new life, today would be a great day to do that. Whatever we could do to help you, you can go there while we stand and sing.